You know, I really think that in many ways we underestimate the fact of how much God wants to be the answer or wants to bring the answer to everything. And then perhaps fasting is just bringing us to the point where we want it as much as God wants it. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. Hi, I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. If you can, you can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks. Or you can just click on the link in the description. To those of you who are already supporting this podcast, thank you so much. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women just like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. Now, today, we're talking about restoration, particularly how do we pray for restoration? Right. You know, we are we we are in a particular important part of, of in time of our history, not just in America, but the entire world. We have a pandemic going on. We have, uh, you know, not just an election, any old four-year election coming up. Uh, But it's probably one of the more important ones, considering Mm -hmm. uh, people have been saying that we are having a cold civil war going on uh, right now. A lot of rioting, a lot of anger, a lot of back and forth. Um, And this has been going on. And this is the time where we need to, I think a lot of people are starting to realize that we really need to get connected with God again. We need his help. And so I know that many of you probably have heard of the return. You know, there was that um, big push for prayer, actually in many different places in the world. And, uh, you know, there was a prayer march in Washington, D.C. And, you know, a lot of people being called to to pray and things like that. And, you know, one of the the chapters was in our, uh, in my town, and now I come to find out that uh, it was kind of a two-part that day, and I went to the second part. It's a long story short, but basically when I got there, you know, this is supposed to be a prayer meeting. And, you know, uh, and so when I get there, uh, you know, it, 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 and things didn't quite turn out the way that they had hoped because of everything that went on. There was a BLM protest that was nearby. It actually ended up not being that big of a protest, but when the people of the event, some of the people of the event heard that there was going to be one, they canceled a lot of their event. And then, of course, some people thought it meant that the whole thing was canceled completely. And so things just didn't turn out the way they had hoped. But finally, at the end of the event, some people were coming up to pray and because people were just hungry. They wanted to pray. And so... Um, and the thing is, is that I stood up to, to pray and, you know, I prayed in our typical, what we do in CDM, what we guide our particular people in doing every single prayer meeting that we have in basically intercessory and personal repentance. And, um, you know, basically saying, God, we do this every four years. We come to you and essentially what we're asking is a poor favorable election. While saying, you know, we're sorry, please have mercy, 
you know, please help us. But then as soon as the election's over, we go back to life as usual and we don't change. You know, how many times have we promised you things? Have we, you know, made pretense and you don't, and we don't change? It actually reminds me of Jeremiah 3.10 where it says that, where God gets angry at Israel because he says, you only pretended to be sorry. And, you know, God, please forgive us for that. And I said, you know, forgive us for having selfish lives where we are more concerned about what we're watching on Netflix, what restaurant we're going to eat at, what fun activity we're going to do next with our families instead of how we're going to help people and how we're going to reach people for you and how we're going to deal with these incredibly hard issues inside of our country. And I basically just lead in a prayer this. And afterwards, several people came up to me and said, oh my goodness, you must have some kind of gift. (laughs) You must have some type of gift for intercessory prayer because that was so powerful. And guys, if you're listening to me, I hope you laugh at that particular statement because I want to say I don't have some type of special gift. That's just called intercessory repentance and anybody can do it and everybody should do it who is a Christian. And, but the thing is, is that people are hungry for this. They're hungry to be able to know how to, how to repent, how to be able to make a change. And we're not, they're not being shown. At least a lot of people are not being shown. And so today, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about how to be able to pray in this way and also how, to be a- how this actually leads to change. Yeah, God doesn't want us to move forward from this moment in time, mm-hmm. from this day, from this part of history, without us repenting and correcting our sins. I think that that's really important to add, that repentance doesn't just mean I say I'm sorry, and then I go and hit my brother again, (laughs) like when we were kids, you know? I'm sorry. No, you can't do that. No, repentance, true repentance, is when it's I am sorry, and I am going to do the hard work of correcting my behavior and doing what pleases God versus what does not. And I think what the, the important thing about that is, is we try to have revival without repentance. And mm. we just can't do yeah, that. So, bad. you know, whenever we have revival, we, we bring together all these musicians and we do tons of singing worship and, you know, work ourselves up into a good feeling frenzy about how wonderful God is and singing to him, expecting that we're going to have some type of just spark of the Holy Spirit and it's going to start a revival. But that's not what we see happen. Right. And I think that that what ends up happening then is we just feel more spiritual mm-hmm. about our sinfulness and disobedience. Exactly. And, and that is not a good place to be because now we sent everyone home feeling good about their sin rather than calling them to change their sin and then and live differently to truly feel good about exactly. themselves. And so that's why we're saying we're not going to be able to move forward. We're not going to be able to have revival. We're not going to be able to get the, the power and the, the favor of God until we have dealt with our sin. And Isaiah 1, you know, God talks about this with Isaiah. 
He said, uh, in verse 13, you hear, you read, bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbath, the calling of the assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. So he, this is where I see that where, again, we're starting all these worship services where we're saying just sing praises to him and pray and make all this, you know, oblations to God and things. And he's saying, I'm not even going to listen to them until you deal with your sin and we deal with your sin. Otherwise, it's useless to God and he hates it. And so he goes on in that passage to say, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like as wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord is spoken. So here he is. He's being very point blank about what it's required. What is required of us to actually see a change in our country. It isn't just praising him. It isn't even just prayers. It's turning from our sins. And that's what we're going to be talking about as a connection with this repentance. You know, we see this concept in Matthew 13, three through eight with the parable of soil. This is what's so important. We talk about this in our CDM university and saying, if we're going to seek movement, if we're going to see these happen, we have to prepare ourselves to be the kind of people that will seek movement. It's very interesting. Most people, when they approach this from a missions context, this passage in Matthew, they approach it from the idea of these are the people we're trying to reach mm-hmm. and how they're going to respond to the gospel. Rarely do we have, we personalize this and say, wait a second, what kind of soil am I, am I cultivating in my yep. own heart? And I think that that's the real difference here is that we've got to stop pushing scripture and obedience and the illustrations that God gives onto other people, whatever they may be, whether other saved people, other lost people, other sinful people. And we need to sit there and use it to examine our own lives and our own hearts and say, now, what about us? What kind of soil do I have? What kind of soil am I? What am I cultivating in my own Exactly. Hearts? So we ask ourselves, how do we respond to God when he tells us to do something? Are we hardened? And you're like, oh, I'm not hardened. Well, do you do anything about it? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're hardened. You know, that's, 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 that's for us to realize just because we're, we're, we're saying no in a positive, happy way doesn't mean we're not hardened. (laughs) Well, and, and, and to be honest, am I hardened? Do I, when I walk down the streets, is there, is there from time to time, it doesn't have to be every time, but is there this sense of mourning 
over the homelessness that I see or a sense of mourning that there is obviously a woman who is, who is prostituting herself there on the corner of the street? Or is there a mourning that there is this, this person standing next to me buying the books on Wiccanism and the occult and all of that, that they are lost and separated from God? Do I have this sense of mourning? Or is it like my heart used to be? Uh, and my heart used to be this way. I had to cultivate this where I had this debt, this dead feeling when it came to the loss, this like sense of, oh, they exist. And there wasn't this, there wasn't this sense of brokenness that they were, they were living lives separated from the God who loves them so much that now, he would but, die and, for but them. But of course it goes beyond emotion. You know, if God is asking you to do something, you say, I care about that so much. You're right, God. And then you do absolutely nothing. Right. That's mm-hmm. you being hardened. The very fact that you don't realize that you're going around life claiming to care about the lost, claiming to care about certain things, and then do absolutely nothing or next to nothing in order to be able to take care of that, that's the problem. The other one is, are we flaky? Do we say, yes, God, I'll Mm. do it, and we'll you know, try a couple of things, get started with some things, but as soon as it gets hard or we get busy, we just drop it. And we go right back to where we were before. Or are we being responsive and faithful? Are we really making Mm -hmm. lasting changes in our life based upon what God is saying to us and trying to be more and more obedient? And the thing is, is that when we're talking about personal intercessory repentance, it's supposed to prepare our hearts for God to use us as we move forward. So all this prayer is supposed to lead to action. And so right. that's, that's how we're supposed to prepare ourselves. Now, people are hungry for this kind of prayer. So how, but they don't know how. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about what is personal and intercessory repentance and how to do it. Yeah, I think, I, I think we, we've quote, we hear this passage quoted all the time that in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, particularly around this mm-hmm. time of year when oh, there are yeah. elections, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. But this, this, this whole sentence kind of, lies out for us an outline of how to do it. And we see we see actually see this practiced throughout the Bible. And one that I particularly love is is Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 1, he gives an amazing example of intercessory repentance. Right. So when we're looking at these different things that we're supposed to be doing, humble yourselves and pray, seek your face and turn from wicked ways. We can't stop short. So, which we often do. Again, we get to these times of year and we pray, but we don't seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. And so we wonder why we don't see this huge change in our country. So this part, these prayers that we pray of personal intercessory repentance is the humble, humbling of ourselves and praying that this, this Mm -hmm. verse is talking about. Yeah, so let's walk through Nehemiah and just kind of let Nehemiah set for us that pattern of behavior that, that we need to we need to live out as we're approaching God, as we're repenting, and as we're moving forward into action. So if you look at Nehemiah chapter 1, the first thing that Nehemiah does when he hears about the broken wall, so you got to realize Nehemiah is in exile, 
okay? He is serving a pagan king in another country, and he is there, and he anxiously is concerned about his homeland and the condition of Jerusalem. And he gets word from his family that the walls are broken down, that Jerusalem is in a terrible state. And the first thing he does is he is broken, I mean, he weeps and he mourns and he fasts. And and this is a fasting because he is so torn up inside over what is going on that he doesn't even want to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's kind of he's desperate for God to speak. And so he begins mm-hmm. in that place of brokenness. And I think that that's what, where we need to be when it comes to intercessory repentance and intercessory pr- prayer is that we have to be broken. We have to be burdened by this brokenness. Okay. We have to understand where we've gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the, one of the problems I see in, in the church these days, especially in America, is we're so busy being defensive that what has gone wrong is not my fault or my particular political party's fault or my particular denomination's fault or my state's fault. Whatever it is, we're so determined to convince people that it's not our fault that we're unwilling to do anything to actually humble ourselves and pray. We're not taking responsibility for the role that we had either actively or passively in what's going on. And we don't see Nehemiah do this. I mean, Nehemiah is broken by this. He remembers how Jerusalem is and should be. And then he sits there and he's comparing it to the condition that it's in. He understands the gap between those two things. And he's like, oh my goodness, we, we need to make a difference. So, you know, something that we are, we can do when we're looking at intercessory and personal repentance is that's in essence what it is. We're praying the gap between where we are and where we should be in Nehemiah 1. And so, you know, when we are looking at this, we want we have to recognize that this is where we should be. It's not just, oh, well, we, we don't want, you know, Marxists running our streets and creating riots. It's more than that. We're saying God wants us to actually be people of God who go out there and are a part of loving our neighbors and seeing them come to know Jesus. But where are we? We're down here. We're so below that bar that we're not even paying attention to other things that are happening in our country. We're living incredibly selfish lives. And so there's this huge gap that we have to span. And we pray Mm -hmm. and we stand in the gap for those things. Yeah, when you look at Nehemiah and starting at verse 4, one of the things that he says is he goes, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, and, and notice this, notice what he does. I want you to pay really close attention. We're starting in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. This is now verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws 
you gave your servant Moses. I mean, right there, I just, I just want to stop and point out, Nehemiah wasn't like, you know, those other people, they did those things. And so as a result, you know, you know uh, I'm having to now do this. No, he put himself in the shoes of the people and he was willing to declare his guilt. Right. So after we are burdened by the brokenness, the first step of our actual prayers is that we declare the guilt that mm-hmm. not only other people, but ourselves have participated in where what you see is happening right then. And what we do, and we'll talk about this more in the second half, is that we guide people into res- in declaring guilt and repentance for not for personally. So what? How have I personally uh, either contributed or not contributed to this particular uh, th- problem? The church. And then the lost. And so we're Mm -hmm. interceding and repenting for each one of these areas. Right. So we go on. Nehemiah goes on and he sits there and and he says, Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They are your servants your and your people whom you've redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And so the next thing that we see here, so not only are we burdened by the brokenness, declaring our own guilt and the guilt of our people, but also we're interceding for restoration. We're asking We're reminding God for his promises and his merciful character. We're asking for mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, underneath that covering of God's promises, we're asking for his mercy and his forgiveness in that. Mm -hmm. And we're asking for help to repent and change. So I love this as he says, you know, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah didn't just have a pro didn't just sit there and was full of the problem. He was seeing there seeing a solution and he was asking for God's help to begin being an answer to the problems and to everything that he was facing. And this was actually where the last point comes in, which is we're praying for as for healing from inner strongholds, in other from protection and deliverance from Satan and favor with the law. So in other words, we're praying for him to be able to help us to change and to be able to overcome the opposition to change. And so we're, we're saying within ourselves, you know, please make us more like you. Please help us to come to stop these sins and be better. We're, we're praying from deliverance from Satan because obviously because of our sins, he has taken up and taken over our land and taken over different things, you know. So please protect us from him and his schemes and what he's doing. And then also favor with the lost and saying, help us to be able to reach them now. Help them to be able mm-hmm. to see true you when we interact with them. And so we're, we're now praying for that next step in favor and being able to bring a solution to the problem. And, you know, guys, yeah. this is a really quick thing when it comes to, if you're wanting more examples of intercession, I'm just going to barely name them. But like, for instance, Abraham, when he was talking to God about Sodom and Gomorrah, Moses multiple times as he stood in the gap between God and Israel when he wanted to destroy them. Isaiah, when he was talking with God in, in Romans 1 through, excuse me, Isaiah 1 through 6 a lot when it comes to those things. And then David in the Psalms, when he was uh, saying, you know, Lord, 
I'm being destroyed or we're being destroyed. Please forgive us. Please be kind to us as you did in the past. These are all great examples of intercessory personal and, and intercessory repentance. Yeah, so reminding, going back at the, where we started, we said we humble ourselves and we pray, mm-hmm. and that's what we see Nehemiah do. And now, what is the other major part of intercessory repentance? It's seeking God's face and listening to Him. And that's what it means. You know, a lot of people are like, what do you mean by seeking God's face? It means we're listening for Him. We're trying to be connected to to Him and His voice again. His, we're, we're wanting to have his mind and heart and plans in regards to the things that we're talking about. Yeah, a lot of people see prayer as trying to get God to do what we want him to do. And that is not what prayer is about. Prayer is really about us seeking God and then coming into alignment with what he wants us to to do, who he wants us to be, how he wants us to speak, how he wants us to live. Prayer is designed to change you more than your prayers changing God. And you know, sometimes it doesn't mean that everything we're asking for is wrong and we should petition and things like that, mm-hmm. the things that we're asking for. You know, God does want, uh, you know, the nations of the world to become like him and to not be torn apart by war and by oppression. Yes, he does. That is a huge thing that he wants, but he also wants us to act like him and have these things happen in our daily lives as well. Yeah, in fact, as we get to know God, we're going to know more like this is what he wants and this is what he doesn't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like when you get to know your best friend. And there are times when you get to get to know someone so well that when you go to a restaurant and you sit down and they're like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom real quick, just order for me. And you know immediately what they want in that restaurant and you know how they want it cooked because you know them so well. And we get to know God that way and when we pray, because we spent so much time with him. See, prayer helps us get to know God. We've fallen in line with him. We now can ask for things that he, that he wants and we're, we're sitting there engaging with the world in the way that he wants us to. So as we read his word, meditate on his word and listen to him, in prayer, mm-hmm. we're getting connected with him again. And, and experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby, says, you know, prayer and and our times with him should be us asking, where are you working, God, and how can I join you? So we have to have those pockets of time every day and more than just like, you know, five minutes in which we're really listening and tuning in to God. You know, another element of this whole intercessory thing that is often really misunderstood is the idea of, of fasting, mm-hmm. that tuning into God. And I, I was listening to a sermon by a pastor in Texas named Matt Chandler, and one of the things he said in that sermon really impacted me. He says, fasting is removing those things in our life that we're anesthetizing ourselves against the pain of living in this broken and fallen world and keeping us, that are keeping us from hearing God speak into that pain, into that moment. And so it, it could be fasting is, is getting rid of, of Netflix uh, or getting rid of the television or getting rid of the Xbox or getting rid of whatever it may be that mm-hmm. is keeping us from experiencing the world around us so that we can hear the voice of God speak 
into that moment. It also, the second thing is, was a friend of mine who was experiencing his daughter going through some serious physical problems. And he said, Paul, I didn't even think about eating the entire time I was begging God for my daughter's life. Mm -hmm. So it's that element of desperation. So when you're thinking about fasting, it's two things for our world. We're removing those things that are keeping us from hearing God's life and words and keeping him from, you know, speaking into that part of our life. But we're also sitting there in desperation saying, God, I need you in my life. I need you in my family's life. I need you in this world. And we just can't do it without you. And you're so desperate, you don't even think about eating in that moment. You know, I really think that in many ways, we underestimate the fact of how much God wants to be the answer Mm. or wants to bring the answer to everything. And then perhaps fasting is just bringing us to the point to where we want it as much as God wants it. Ooh, yes, I completely agree with that. So guys, you know, uh, we just recently recorded Praying with, uh, praying for Movement with David Watson. That's our previous two uh, podcasts. Listen to those because it is huge and a part of this whole thing. Um, but something he said in the last time, and I'm really paraphrasing, but has the same idea, but that when we pray and listen to God, it, he will take us places we normally would not have gone, that we meet people we normally would not have met, that we come up with solutions we normally would not have come up with and barriers are broken down that normally wouldn't be. Mm. And so, you know, we can't just strike out there and do things without really praying and hearing God's voice. So we're not just talking at him. We're also listening to him. And that leads us to the last one, which is it can't stop there. It can't stop with just praying and listening. It has to get to the third step, which is, obeying or in other words turning from our wicked ways that's that last part that has to be done our praying our prayers have to result in action right right and uh, and we've got to we've got to focus on once again obeying the commands of God. So there's that idea of as as part of intercessory repentance, we have to read the Bible. We have to know the commands of God. Okay, mm-hmm. and and we have to be we have to be very specific about those kind of things. In fact, prayer, intercessory, and repentance. Sorry, prayer and repentance become more powerful the more specific we are. So mm-hmm. we need to know God's God's word well enough and 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 be open enough that He's speaking to our our heart that we can be very specific about our sins, mm-hmm. the sins of our families, the sins of the people of God, and then the sins that we're seeing in the world around us and the behaviors that we're doing that we might not necessarily say are sins, but are leading to us ignoring things that God says. You know, Mike, for example, being busy. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say thou shalt not be busy in scripture, but often we are so busy that if a moment came up for us to be involved in taking care of a homeless person, it's I'm driving past because I don't have enough time to stop and to talk to them and to help them and address their poverty and their situation. And it may not be homelessness. You know, it may be just your neighbors. I don't have time right. to talk to my neighbors about mm-hmm. Jesus. I don't have time to, to talk to my coworkers, I'm on my way home. I'm rushing off to a, a religious activity. I'm you tired. Know, I'm tired. You know, so, you know, it could be a lot of different people that we're just overlooking and moving on in our lives. And so, and so, like I said, we have to be specific or else nothing specifically changes. We stand up there exactly. with tons of prayers and say, oh God, please help us. Forgive us of what we've done. 
and forgive us of these vague things, but we don't get specific enough, and so therefore we can't change when we don't put a name on it. Exactly. I'll never forget this time. It was one of those times where friends help friends, right? And so I was praying, and Rebecca was and Rebecca was there, and we were praying together, and I was just going on with how I was feeling about things, but I wasn't in any way making a specific request from God that he could have answered. Okay, And there's nothing wrong with telling God how we're feeling, but it was going on and on. And I'm just being honest, I was lost in the moment, and I was just vomiting my bad feelings and despair. And Rebecca ended up stopping me like a good friend would and rebuking me in that moment. And she's like, so when are you going to actually ask God for something? You know, and in the moment, I was not happy. No, you were not. I, I was you not, not happy. happy. I was pretty angry, just to be honest. And, and I was, but you know, as I've gotten further away from the anger of that moment and realized how right she was, I was just giving God all my feelings. And he's like, all right, I got, I, I know you feel this way. I Thanks for you. telling me. You're sad. I hear you. I hear now, you. <laughs> now, what do you want? Yes. And, and I want. wasn't getting to the point of telling God and asking him, God, I need you to intervene here. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this in, the, in this situation. I need you to help me figure out what to do and to give me wise responses to the people I'm about to face. And, and as a result, it's interesting, I could, if Rebecca hadn't spoken up and corrected my behavior in that moment, I could have walked away from that and just felt completely dissatisfied, like God was didn't even care about my situation. But the problem wouldn't have been with God. The problem would have been with me. I did not ask God for anything that would have changed the circumstance. I just told him how I felt, and that wasn't helpful. So, you know, and, and guys, you know, again, the more specific our requests, the more that we can see God working in and through what we're doing. And so when we are talking, asking him to help us move forward, let's think about things. And especially if we're listening to him and he's saying, hey, take this next step, then we can say, okay, then please help us as we take that step. And so then when you take that step and God puts favor on it, you can say, yay, thank you, God. Now help us with that next step. And now you have a series of steps that mm. where you actually see progress, you know, and this leads to the last one, specific actions. When we finish praying, we need to have some type of action that we're going That's to right. do. Even if you're like, I'm not sure if this is the right thing. You're like, well, this is, this is what I'm just going to go and do the best that I know how. And then you know, expect God to help me with the next step. Because guys, if we just leave it at a prayer and we never do anything about it, then nothing ever changes. Yeah. Repentance is more than saying that we're sorry. Yep. Repentance is about listening to God as he speaks in the situation and obeying what he's saying. And so that's really important. We've got to come up with something that we're going to do in response to the prayer. God may bring up a passage of scripture to your mind and you're like, oh, I need to do something there. So you may need to contact that person that came to mind mm -hmm. and you need to maybe make things right or reach out and encourage them or, or show love to them like you never have before. Or maybe the, there's a specific, you know, sin that he brings up, and now you, you should take some type of step in dealing with that sin and moving forward and taking that out of your life. Or maybe there's some step in discovering the solution to what you're praying about. You know, maybe it's just making a phone call and talking with someone who may know something about the topic. Or maybe it just mm -hmm. means showing up to a meeting 
So like, for instance, when I started, uh, you know, really feeling burned about the topic of abortion, I didn't know how to do make a difference in it. I had no idea. And so I just did what I knew at the time, which was, okay, well, I guess I can show up to some pro-life meetings and just see what they have to say. And that was the first thing. And from there, I was able to learn the next step, to learn the next step, to learn the next step. Yeah. I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed by the whole issue. And so we choose not to get involved. And uh, we do that with repentance is I'm so overwhelmed by this big issue. I don't know what to do. And in reality, we just need to go, okay, what's, what's the first step? I don't know what to do, but what's the first thing I would do? And then just take that step and trust that God is going to see you take that first step in the right direction. He's going to go, yes. And then he's going to sit there and give, either put people in your path or speak to you through his word or speak to you directly through prayer and begin to guide you along the way that he wants you to take. Our God is a good God. He wants us to be able to repent and stand rightly before him. He is not a terrible God that gives us direction and then just leaves us to figure it out and is waiting for us to mess up. No, he sits there, he's watching every step of the way going, yes, that's the step good job, here's the next one, so that we can move forward, because, and then he will bless us, he's sitting there going, okay, okay, I'm waiting, yes, you took the step, here's the next one, all right, good job, okay, and he's going to sit there, and he's going to bless us, and he's going to, and the blessing is this, not with the Camaro, but don't Mm. get this wrong, it's not with the new house, it's not with the new job, or it's not just peace, that's right, or peace. peace, the blessing is presence, Because there's no greater thing on this earth than our God. And the blessing is seeing ourselves being truly a people that do follow him. And so therefore, love is going to abound. Therefore, people are going to come to know Jesus and things like that. That's the blessing that comes from that. The blessing is the kingdom itself. Yes. It says in scripture to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And his righteousness. All of these things will be added unto us. Right. The blessing is the kingdom. The blessing is is communion with the Father, and there's nothing greater than that. And that's where repentance is supposed to lead us, is back into the, into the throne of God, sitting at his feet, hearing his wonderful voice, and experiencing love and joy like we never would have before. And so to, in summation, what we're talking about, the, this process of repentance, is that we humble ourselves and pray. We, we pray, we declare our guilt, we ask for restoration for God's mercy and help to repent and change, and then praying for favor and actually being able to overturn this spiritual battle that we're currently in. And so, and then seeking his face and listening, listening to him, to what he has to say back to us. So we, we talk, he talks to us, and then we turn from our wicked ways. We act on the things that he shows us. We act on his word again. We come up with these things. Now, guys, this is the process. But this the thing is, it's not just for us personally to do. We need to mobilize others to do this too. That's right. That's right. Because we need to lo- mobilize large amounts of prayer to defeat a large foe and to accomplish a large work for Christ. If all you want to do is hand out a few lunches to hungry people, if all you want to do is to have a nice worship service somewhere, you don't have to raise a lot of prayer, you know, because that's not a, that's a human size goal. 
But if you're That's wanting right. to really defeat a foe that wants to seek, kill, and destroy, if you really want to see the gospel spread in large uh, amounts into people who really need to know him, even in this country, America, you're going to need to get a lot of people praying. That's right. If you want to take down something like like racism, if you want to take down something like human trafficking, these monolithic problems of our day and age, you're going to have to be people of prayer, and we're going to have to mobilize massive amounts of prayer because we need to focus more on calling people into prayer and the actions that result from prayer than we do in raising money and awareness. I I just tell you, I see more posts on Facebook about raising money for these things, about creating awareness for these things, and I don't see very many people talking about praying about these things, and I don't see many people who do say they're praying talking about what they're going to do differently because of how God spoke to them in prayer. And that's really important when it comes to seeing change. It's all those things. It's it's both prayer and action because no movement of God has been started without a prayer that's movement. Right. And so we need to have a prayer support to be to be able to face spiritual warfare, but we don't just stop there in prayer. We people need to know what to do about it. So we lead them in both prayer and then also actions of repentance. You've been listening to the CDM Podcast. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. We'll be back with our premium content after the break. In in our after the break, we're going to be talking about how to lead people through intercessory prayer. I mean, that's that how do we, particularly at CDM, how do we lead people through intercessory prayer? You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com.